Welcome to the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. We are your source on what's going on at the university, the Alumni Association, and all things Runner Nation. Because now and forever, we are Roadrunners. Roadrunners. Welcome, Runner Nation, to another episode of the Birds Up Podcast, sponsored by the UTSA Alumni Association, a podcast by runners for runners. And I'm your host, Drew Addison. With me, as always, is my partner in crime and man behind the scenes, Josh Ampadon. How are you today, sir? Doing well, doing well. All right, so a little change up. We got Josh in here, fired up. We actually just got done with this interview less than 10 minutes ago, and we're excited to bring it to you. But just wanted to give you some quick updates on what's going on at the University Alumni Association. There is a bit of an expansion that's happening at the campus. Josh, what's happening with the groundbreaking that's happening? Yeah, so they just broke ground at Blanco Hall, so more student housing uh, near campus. So uh, really exciting uh, just to have more of that bigger university vibe and bringing more students on campus and, you know, getting away from the whole commuter school vibe that we used to have. Right. Well, I mean, you say you have a record class of freshmen at UTSA and a university that when it comes to enrollments is growing, whereas, you know, you see other universities around the nation that are either breaking even on their enrollments. UTSA is is exceeding those expectations. So the students need a place to stay. So, yeah, <laughs> we need to accommodate. And yeah. And this is uh, it's going to be open June 2025, the expected completion of the project. So that no doubt will give us uh, a lot more closer, get us closer towards the university's goal of having more students on campus. So that's really exciting. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the the growth of the university is what it's all about. And as an alumni base, we can't be more proud. So obviously football season is in full swing. We had uh, two amazing games, the home game against UAB. I'm so glad that it worked out the way it did, because I'm always a little bit nervous when we take on UAB. Yeah, that's always a stressful (laughs) game, no matter what what that team looks like. It's always a tough one. Absolutely. And then our team goes out to Florida, plays uh, against Florida Atlantic. And I got to tell you, it didn't really dawn on me what that game meant until we were talking to uh, some of the former players and and some of the the lifetime Roadrunner fans of what that game means for the conference. But notably, the last time that we met them was in 2020 and FAU uh, wrangled UTSA in that game. So us to go and play the way that we did was amazing. Got some payback, especially in the second half. We just shut them down. Well, our our defense, bro, like I don't even know what to tell you, uh, (laughs) but Trey Moore was a beast. Uh, but the player of the game was UTSA defense. <laughs> so that yeah. says a lot. It seems now that our football team is definitely playing on all cylinders and all parts of the ball, offense, defense, and special teams. And uh, looking forward to this homecoming game that's coming up this Saturday against East Carolina. Remember that the Alumni Association does have our forever rowdy tailgate that is occurring at the Hofkin lot just on the other side of the ESPY. And it is free to attend. There are coupons you can buy for a drink and food. And I will actually have the link posted in the show notes so you can buy your coupons early and make sure you get those. Again, this is a homecoming game, another big American Athletic Conference game. So it is exciting to have another one of those at the Alamodome. Yeah, 2.30 kickoff, 11.30 tailgate. So plenty of time to get out there and have some fun and, and get all uh, riled up for homecoming. Yeah, homecoming. Well, it's a, a good segue into the interview that we had today. We were, I would say, blessed to have oh, yeah. the UTSA women's basketball coach, Coach Aston, come in for a conversation. And when we booked this interview, uh, thank you to Peggy Amy for getting that connected. I'd saved like all the accolades and records and everything during the interview. Do yourself a favor. If you're not familiar with Coach Aston and what she's done in her career, just Google her. Very impressive. 
impressive. It is unbelievable. I mean, she went to the final four of women's basketball with UT Austin. She coached at UNT, also at Charlotte, but had a storied high school coaching career. But talking about her career, going from a head coach in high school to making a literally a jump uh, with a massive pay cut and in going into college coaching and what it took for her to build her resume and become something what it is throughout her entire career and then making her move over to UTSA and helping develop this program and how she talks about the, the strategy early on for these players as she stepped in and what's happening coming into the American Athletic Conference. Yeah, it gives me a lot of hope for the the program coming up because, uh, you know, they had a better record last year. They were on a, a nice tear at the end of the season, and hopefully they can bring it into this new conference. It's going to be exciting this year. Yeah, I mean, making it to the semifinals and the conference playoffs was amazing. You know, we were watching that that game, and I was just blown away at the level of play that these, that these women were bringing to the table. But stick around for after the interview as we'll go over a couple more things that are happening at the University and the Alumni Association, and we'll be back in a bit. Birds up. All right, I cannot be more excited for the guests that we have today. Becoming uh, more and more of a fan of, of women's basketball and seeing how these, especially the national tournaments are playing out, yeah. I would venture to say that it's even more exciting than the men's basketball with the, the way the style of play has changed over time. And I played a little bit of basketball back in the day. I'd probably get asked at least five times a day if I ever played basketball. <laughs> Problem I had, I can't walk and dribble. Like The dribbling side of things is what got me every time. <laughs> it was always difficult. But today we welcome Coach Aston from the UTSA women's basketball team. Recognized as one of the top high school coaches in the nation and has, has been the former head coach of UT Austin, North Texas, and Charlotte. Coach Aston, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Well, it's it's an exciting time. We have uh, basketball season ahead of us. And, you know, I, I do want to dive into more of your path in basketball alone, because, you know, it's, it's one thing that you know, we get introduced to you as coming in as a, as the head coach for UTSA. We can look back on your time as a, as a collegiate coach throughout your career, but what was it for you that drove you into the sport to begin with? I, I think most people will probably say that when they, when they pick up a ball uh, or pick up a sport in general, that you probably had a sibling or someone that you kind of paid attention to what they did. Uh, I had an older sister that played basketball, mm -hmm. so it was, you know, I watched her play. I loved watching how hard she played, and, you know, it, it's an old cliche, but, I mean, she fueled my passion just from me watching her play the game. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you know, once I picked the ball up, like, she didn't have to do a whole lot yeah. <laughs> to get me to love it. Uh, it came pretty naturally for me. But, you know, I, I, I love playing the game. I love the competition. I love being on a team. Just all of those things I gravitated to at a very young age. It was, it's fascinating, too. So I've, I'm the middle son of two other brothers. I'm an older brother. So I don't know if there's, it's just kind of inherently bought into the competitiveness that, that you have growing up as a kid. Because sure. in our house, we, we, were, we were competing for food. We were like, whoever got there first was going to eat a majority of it. And we're all about the same size. So God bless my mom and my dad for being able to, to do that. But For um, feeding you, right? Exactly, exactly. But, you know, I, I feel like, too, like you said, Said. I mean, being introduced into sports and having that in-house competitiveness is sure. one thing. Now, you, you were born in Germany, so you're an Army brat. So uh, coming into San Antonio has got to be almost a welcome home. But you're born in Germany, and then you made your, your y'all's way back to the States shortly Yeah, we after. weren't in—I was not in Germany very long. My dad was stationed there, uh, actually, when my mom was pregnant with me, and— I was there not not very long at all. I mean, mm -hmm. six months, and then um, he was actually killed in an accident. So oh, we came over here, 
mom had to come over here in a boat with three little girls and I was the youngest wow. and my oldest wow. sister, the one that played basketball was six and middle sister was four. So you can imagine absolutely um, how difficult that was, but you know, that's, you have an appreciation for the service. Obviously my grandparent, you know, my grand, both of my grandfathers were in the service and yeah, just something that I have always appreciated. I mean, just even in a sense of getting a basketball scholarship, but also having, funding from the government, you know, because my dad was mm. in the service, all those things you, you grow up appreciating when you have a, a parent in the service. Right. For sure. So, and this is definitely a, an awesome town as far as uh, pride in the military. I mean, there's no question that just permeates in San Antonio for sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you had a, a pretty storied career, high school career. You guys did pretty well. So tell us a little bit about your experience through high school. Yeah, I think when you kind of your, your original question was sort of who, who fueled my fire, um, started with my sister, but my high school coach was a huge influence on me. He, um, he inherited our program when I was probably a freshman, eighth or ninth grader. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the one that really pulled it out of me. He, he was sort of what I call ahead of his time mm-hmm. as far as how he coached in particular women. And he just, you know, he had a way of getting the best out of out of you and, you know, getting more than you really knew you were capable of doing. And I thought from a mind perspective, he was ahead of his time as mm. far as just philosophy and all of that. And we just had a really, really, really great run. And in my senior year, you know, we won a state championship. In, in Arkansas, they had what was called an overall state championship where each champion of each class played each other. Okay. And they so they so they had a state tournament and then they had what was called an overall state tournament where you played by class. The champions of each class played mm. and we actually won that also. So oh, it was wow. you know it's it's a great feeling. I say this all the time when you win your last game. Mhm. And there's nothing else to say. Right. You know, I mean you we lost one game that entire year and I can always look back and go, I can't believe we lost that. But actually, I think that's the reason why we won the rest of them. Right. Yeah. But it is a it is a unique and and awesome feeling to you're done. You hold up the trophy and there's really there's no more games, but you know, you finished a champion. It's a it's a unique feeling that not a lot of people get to experience, but it is an awesome one. Right. Well, and the impact of a coach, at, especially at that age. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can say too, just from my own personal experience that it, by the time you're in high school, you know, you're kind of venturing out on your own and you're really kind of latching on any sort of mentorship that you have. And, and sports is a great outlet for that in order to align with something that it can keep you on the straight and narrow. And those lessons carry on for so, so long. Was there a development for you to move into college and play uh, through that coach and how, how did all, all that play out going into your collegiate Yeah, I can career? always, I, I can sort of relate to a lot of our players that come from successful high school programs because you're actually a, a little bit stubborn. Yeah. You know, when you, when you have a great high school coach and you come from a winning culture and a w- winning atmosphere and you go to college and no matter how good your college coach is, no matter how, even in the professional ranks, like when you change coaches and you had such a strong belief in that system and the way he, you know, he did things or he or she, then you really kind of struggle in the beginning, no mm-hmm. matter what it is, because it's something different, right. you know, and that's what the college experience is in general. It's something different than what you've been doing either your whole career in high school, even in your household, you mm-hmm. know, you're going, you're independent. So it's a huge transition, to be honest with you. And I can relate because I had my own ups and downs with sure. that, you know, I had freedom for the first time in my life. Um, 
just had to make my own decisions about things. And you really kind of decide what is your love and passion for the game because it is kind of up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously you have college coaches and there's direction and all of that, but it also is a lot of intrinsic what is your passion for the game and how much time do you want to spend in the gym on your own? Mm. Because we're limited from an hour perspective. So you find out pretty quick whether you love the game or Mm -hmm. not when you play in college, because it is, it's a grind and it's a, every freshman I ever have always says, this is way harder than I thought it was. So, (laughs) you know, when I went to college, I had a little bit of like, do you know as much as my high school coach, you know, because he was so good. Yeah. But it, it was a great experience for me. Um, I, I appreciated the college experience, and it definitely jump-started my kind of my decision-making on what do I do with the rest of my life. Sure. Uh, and, and he had a real impact on that because he allowed me, as the one of the leaders of the team, he kind of had this philosophy where the older players coached the younger ones. So my senior year, I actually coached like the seventh-grade team, mm. and that was part of his mentorship and his – philosophy was to have it handed down. Wow. Uh, so that that gave me a little bit of taste of it. So as I went through college and started trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life, <laughs> um, that that had a piece of it for sure. Do you, you feel like that that experience allows you to recruit a little bit better against maybe bigger programs, more story programs with these uh, more successful students in high school transitioning over into college? Uh, there's so much that goes into recruiting now. You know, I mean, we could go into hour-long conversation just about NIL and all the dynamics of recruiting. But I I will say that probably the thing that helps me the most in recruiting uh, and helped me be successful when I started as an assistant coach was because that's really your responsibility is recruiting pretty much Mm 24-7. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. I think what helped me the most was being a high school coach because I had experienced the other side of what the recruiting process felt like. Mm. You know, I knew what my student athletes felt like. I knew what I felt like as a coach. I, I could see through who was real and who wasn't. So I think that process probably helped me the most as I became a college coach. So you got your bachelor's degree in physical education from Little Rock in uh, 1987, and you transitioned out of college. At that point, where you were like, you were you all in for basketball? That's what <laughs> you were going to be doing. Uh, what was that first opportunity? Oh gosh, I'm. I have to tell this story to my players a lot because they get out of college and they're like, oh, my God, what's next? Sure. They act like they're supposed to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And very rarely do you. Very rarely do you graduate from college and you immediately know, like, I have a job. I know exactly this is what I want to do. Right. I mean, there's just that's not really normal. Mm -hmm. So I love to tell this story to them just to let them know that you don't always know. Um, I graduated from college and, you know, you it's basketball 24-7 when you're a college athlete. So I graduated, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to, like, live it up for a year. Okay. And I literally just kind of hung out for a few months. Sure. And then I was like, okay, this is not going to work. You know, I mean, I know I had need to do something. So I, I ventured back home to my hometown and uh, got a job. My mom worked for a lawyer, and he kind of hooked me up with a little job at the courthouse. I mean, it, I just literally was just trying to figure out mm-hmm. what was next. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had my certification. You know, I knew I was going to coach and teach, but I think I just needed to breathe a little bit, mm-hmm. which I think young people need to understand that it's okay to take a breath sometimes. Uh, but a few months of that, 
you know, and I was like, okay, it's time to get on with that. That road's not very long. Yeah, no, it's not at all. So I, I got a phone call about a high school job, which was the one that I ended up getting that was a storied high school program. I mean, it was sort of a stroke of luck that I got a head coaching job in high school right, wow. out, of, right out of the blocks. I mean, I didn't even have to do any any groundwork. I say groundwork, but I was coaching 7 through 12 at this school. Okay. So, Which is a lot. Oh, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. I was coaching basketball, cross country, and track seven through twelve. Oh my goodness! So it was a seven day a week. And were you teaching at the same time? Physical education. Oh my and, goodness! And not only that, but it's this is a crazy story. But I think they hired me. Um, there was a little conflict between the principal and the superintendent. I think there was a little bit of let's hire this person, but I think I like this one. So the superintendent obviously had the last say, and he. He basically was like, I'm just going to hire this young girl. Well, I think in turn, they decided we're not happy about this decision, so we'll make her life as miserable as we can. Right. So they gave me uh, high school physical education boys. Oh, my goodness. That was my teaching area. Wow. Yeah, so you you can already know know what road (laughs) I went down on the very first day. You can't even imagine. So. Gave me keys to a bus, basically, and said, here, you know, get your get your CDL license. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, it would never happen now. Right. It would never happen yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But I think they thought, we're going to run this little one off yeah. really fast. And I loved it. I wow. loved every second of it. Wow. And it really, I mean, talk about something that you just knew right then and there, this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew. I knew that impacting young people was my calling, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now they didn't let me ride the drive the bus very long after I hit a few things and <laughs> ran over some curbs. They were like, this is not a good idea. It's hard to drive the and bus. And anybody that knows me can knows that that's probably true also. But the boys' PE, was cla- it was classic. I mean, the very first day, like, they dropped their pants. They oh, were just God. like, we're going to see what this young lady can do. And um, at the time, you could paddle. So yeah. football coach helped me out a little bit on wow. that. And it wasn't long before that was my favorite group of guys. I mm. mean, it was it was a blast. I had, I had such a blast. I just, I, you know, during high school coaching, you always go and work camps. I mean, that's kind of part of you make a little extra money in the summer. You get a chance to learn from college coaches. You take your players to camp. And so in that process, I that's where I kind of got the college bug. Mm-hmm. You know, I started taking – and you had kids that were recruited. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, a, a really good run of teams, and, you know, those kids were getting recruited from college coaches. And so that kind of, like, opened my eyes. Really, I was just a small-town Arkansas girl. Right. And it opened my eyes up to what was possible. Mm. And once that happened, I was willing pretty much to do anything. The the workload for me, especially as a starting job, like I, I'm even just getting like a pit in my stomach even thinking about <laughs> it. But, you know, how do you stay focused as you're the head coach of the team, but then you've got all these other things going on? I mean, granted, you, you want your team to be successful. The conversations that I've had with my own personal coaches and coaches outside of folks that I've had a chance to work with, the driving factor to them is not so much the season itself is more about the development of young people. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like that was probably like where you saw the largest ability of impact that you had coming in. Yeah, for sure. I think when you coach in high school, you know your impact. Mm -hmm. Like They hang out in your office. You know, they're young. I mean, I had some that were seventh graders when I started coaching them and one or two of them are still like, I still talk to them all the time now, you know, so that's a long time. That's a long relationship with people. And you definitely can see what a difference, uh, I don't think that it's necessarily what a difference that I made in their lives. I think it's what a difference 
athletics and sport mm-hmm. makes in a young person's life because so many of them don't have direction. They don't have a discipline about themselves. And I think sports teaches you that. I mean, you have to get up, you have to be on time, you have to be at practice sometimes in the morning, you have to stay late, uh, you have to do extra work mm-hmm. to be successful. And you have to be be on a team. I mean, unless it's, an, you know, unless you're playing tennis or golf, you're having to coordinate with someone else right. uh, to have a common goal. And I think there's so much, like you said, that's a life lesson with that, that I don't know. I mean, the coaches obviously have huge impact, but I think sports in general and, and extracurricular in general, I mean, whether it's glee club or band, I just think having something that you can be a part of is a very big thing for a young person. Absolutely. You've received many accolades as a high school coach and especially in a sport that's that's all over the place, right? Like, you know, to be able to be at the top level of that um, while impacting young folks, you know, what what do you feel was the largest contributor to getting those, especially high school kids? I mean, my, my thing is like, I, <laughs> we were all high school kids at one point and I, high school athletes and, you know, my brain was elsewhere 95% of the time. Time. And yeah. at that level, I always looking back, always in hindsight, thinking, man, if, if I were to just put a little bit more effort into that, things would be maybe a little bit different. But like, how do you identify in working with these kids, maybe some of those players that come in that you can maybe see that either some talent or they got that little bit of extra grit, how you develop those young folks into becoming leaders of the teams that you're coaching? I know it's kind of a loaded question. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely a process. I mean, you, there are some that are gifted with that. You know, I I think that some people, I mean, I call it the it factor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people have it. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that you you know that whatever they do, they're going to be successful, no matter what they choose to do in life, Mm -hmm. because they have an innate ability to discipline themselves, do the work, Mm -hmm. do their job, so to say, and then do the extra on top of that. As far as teaching leadership, I, I do believe that so much of it is if you have a, a mentor that has a, a passion about themselves. You know, I, I think that most young people, if they think that you're coaching them or you're mentoring them for your own benefit, mm. I'm not sure you're going to get as much buy-in as you are if they can tell that you're really and truly passionate yeah. about what you're doing. I say this a lot. I mean, again, I go back to my college, my high school coach, who gave me that kind of that vision of what it felt like mm-hmm. to be on a team have a collective goal and put something above yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, because when you win a championship, you have to put yourself aside. I mean, there's some moment in time during that run that the team has to become more important than the individual. Mm -hmm. And the gift and in the end of the day, I mean, everybody thinks holding the trophy up and the rings and all that are what's fun, but it actually is the feeling that you get being on that team Mm -hmm. and the camaraderie that is built within that specific group that you don't ever forget. You don't ever forget moments Mm -hmm. with those people. And so when I started coaching, that was what I coached for. You know, I didn't coach for the wins. I mean, the wins came, you know, they come through that process, but I really wanted those young people to feel what I felt when I was on, on my team. And so that has been really my, I guess, my M.O. The whole time I've been coaching is, I, you know, you just want to have that feeling with that group that you know that that impacts their life mm-hmm. in some particular way. It may be, you know, some way that you can never figure out. You know, yeah. maybe they choose their profession based on that. Maybe they go into coaching. Maybe they go into mentorship. Maybe they go into education. You know, that team that I won a state championship with, 
I mean, there's physical therapists on that team. There's doctors mm-hmm. on that team. There's a dentist. There's a dental hygienist. There's teachers. There's wives. There's mothers. And they're, but they're all successful people. It is incredible. Wow. And I think that through consistent work is how you build championship teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think you can get away from the work. Yeah. You know, but I think having an, an ability to get them to buy into the team aspect, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, I think our football program is such a, a wonderful example of that. I mean, I think Coach Trailer does a wonderful job of getting those guys to play as a team. I mean, you can tell that right. they enjoy the process of being together. Mm-hmm. It is something that is learned, a learned behavior nowadays because everything is about, you know, what you do individually. But I think, again, I go back to if you've ever felt that, then you want to replicate it. Mm-hmm. And even in the recruiting process, you know, you ask, how do I identify? I mean, a lot of times it's more important to identify a young person that has been on a championship team than it is what their talent level is. Mm because they understand what it feels like to go above and beyond what someone else does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's times that I think my players in particular question how hard I'm challenging them to be better than they really believe they can be. But I think at the end of the day, they get it. Yes, yeah, that's fascinating, too, because for me, I feel like basketball is a great sport to show a team that is on, right? And a team that is clicking. That Cinderella story is repeatedly used in the sport of basketball. You see teams from colleges you never even heard from every single year coming into the Sweet 16, the Final Four, and and sometimes the National Championship. And for me, because you see, like, especially when you're watching the the tournament, right, where you have like a UNC playing against some random team from the East Coast and UNC gets romped by this team that everyone's going, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like whenever you're building a team and and you're going into those situations where either you're you're not you're coming in, maybe not as well known or you're just straight underdog, but, you know, your team has it. How do you get your team in the right focus to be able to turn on or what's the preparation like for your team to identify the weaknesses and shoring those up? Well, you have to have a great staff. I mean, there's no question that who you surround yourself with is the most important. I mean, and you guys know that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think if you run a company. Anytime you're in charge of an organization, which is what head coaches are, your success is based on the people around you, first and foremost. I mean, I, you know, that has been a learning process for me as a head coach throughout my years. I mean, I've been one long enough to be able to reflect back on the people that I've surrounded my program with and the successful years, what that felt like and what that looked like and the ones that weren't so much. Uh, the ones where maybe we fell short, what did that look like there? And I think nine times out of 10, it really is the people that you surround yourself with. Do they have a common vision? Do they have a common goal? Because the more that you can surround yourself with from from an adult perspective, mm-hmm. you know, can you put enough people that really buy into your vision, then the young players, they'll buy it also. Right. You know, they'll believe in it if you have enough people around you that are pouring into them on a daily basis, giving them that same vision mm-hmm. Uh, and and them seeing that it's a shared one, it's kind of like parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have if you have a child and you know mom is speaking a different language than dad or or whoever the parents are, you know, then it, it's difficult for the child There'd to be know. A disconnect, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing on a team. I mean, if you can get everybody rowing in the same direction, mm-hmm. um, they use that a lot. You know, I mean, I've read lots of books about you know rowing, the sport of rowing, and what how they function. And there's always that lead captain, you know, but then you have to have people 
that will fall in line and do their jobs and everything is so particular and anything is like that on a team. I mean, I, I do believe most teams that are successful have a lead dog. Yeah. And I think they have someone that the rest of the team looks up to, listens to, respects, and then that person is consistent with the, how they bring their work to the table every day. Yeah. I think that's extremely important, but it's difficult to be it honest with you. I mean, to get, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And every, what's interesting about sports is that it doesn't matter what you did the year before. Mm-hmm. Every single year is different. Every year is a new story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember when I was at Texas, we, I was an associate head coach there and we went to the final four returned almost everyone on the team. I think we graduated two players, brought in a high school national player of the year the following year after wow. we went to the Final Four. And you're thinking, this is a no-brainer, like we're going back. Right, yeah. And one or two people can leave and come in, and it's a whole new it's a whole new oh, game. Wow. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. it, and even though you, you might think this is all going to fall into place the same exact way because we have the majority – it's still like there's still pieces of a puzzle that have to fit mm. and chemistry that has to be built. And chemistry is, I mean, it's probably as much as talent. It is, it's right up there. I mean, you're not going to win without talent. Don't get me wrong. Sure. At a, at a really high level. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do have to have talent. Mm-hmm. But if talent doesn't have chemistry, it's never going to work. I feel like we see that a lot in all sports. And, and I would even say uh, venture into the business world as well. Sure. Same thing, right? For so sure. if you have your, your team and the chemistry is there, you switch those things out. Granted, we're, we're not, it's not afforded the um, the timeline of seasons, which would actually be pretty good to have, I guess, in business. But, right. you know, it is fascinating to see, even kind of talk through that process, you know, having been on teams that have had chemistry. And then, like you said, Season ends, you move on and you're going on the next one. At what point do you start circling your team around identifying the chemistry? Because I'm always really kind of fascinated on how coaches, head coaches, basically put together a um, almost a, a season mantra and coming up with those mantras and getting yeah. your team on board with that. What's your strategy on that? Um, it's funny. Every year is a little bit different for me with my strategy yeah. on that. I mean, you, you kind of identify, obviously, where your team is, especially with basketball. I mean, football has, everybody has an off season. Mm-hmm. Ours is in the summer and off is not, not a good word really to use. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should call it training season right? Yeah. Uh, because basketball players, it's a unique sport in particular in college because there really are not a lot of days off. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of the few two semester sports. So our players they're traveling normally on Thanksgiving. Mm. They get about four or five days off during Christmas, and then they come back. They don't get a spring break. I mean, it's a, it's a grind. It's a grind. Yeah. It is an absolute grind. Then they get off a few weeks in May, and then they come back to summer school, and they're in, they're in school all summer, mm. training and going to school. So there's not really an off-season, but if I could say off-season because we're not in season, uh, the summertime would be when you try to sort of identify who's taking over some leadership Whose voice are you hearing the most? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're looking at what kind of shape you're in, conditioning-wise and all that, but you really are sort of building chemistry through training. Mm-hmm. You know, you do some team-building activities, or they'll that's a kind of a little bit of a downtime where the players can go to someone's pool, yeah. you know, and hang out together, barbecue, things like that that they do in the summertime that they obviously don't have time to do during the school year. Mm-hmm. 
And that sort of starts to form your identity a little bit. Mm-hmm. I said this to our team this summer, like if you're trying to form your identity in November, it's too late. Right. It's way too late. Mm-hmm. You better form your identity in the off season. Mm-hmm. You better form who you are. And then there's times you have to check yourself, mm-hmm. obviously, because you, you know, you backslide and, and things happen. Someone might get injured and then you have to, you know, reform that team again. But you do form who you are in your training. Mm. And then, you know, you go through different phases. So to answer your question, I've kind of come up with the mantra sometimes. For example, this year, I I asked the players to give me a couple of things that were on their mind. Mm. And they kind of came up with our hashtag logo, whatever you want to call it this year. They came up with it, which I think sometimes is is better. Sure. You know, that they own it. Mm -hmm. When I came three years ago, I started this and you know, having the the mantra, you know, we have a, a way of doing things. We have a circle of culture, the words that we try to kind of live by as far as the culture of our program. So all of these things I started three years ago when I came to UTSA. But on the third year, mm-hmm. this year, I thought, okay, we had a little success at the end of the year last year. We got to the semifinals of the conference tournament. What did they want? Right. You know, what do they remember yeah. about those experiences? And did they learn anything that they can carry over? So I kind of let them sort of own it this time and they came up with uh cash in. Okay. So that was their that there was their mantra this year. And so what they wanted and what I think that, that what they understood from last year was that you literally have to deposit every day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not gonna skip summer training. Right. And then think that November and December you're just gonna magically turn on. Mm-hmm. So I think that they understand that it's easier said than done, I will tell you. Uh, it's it's hard to, you know, wake up every single day and make the type of deposit that is necessary to be successful at our level. Yeah. But I think that they understand from their experience last year because they peaked too late last year. I mm-hmm. mean, it took too long right. to develop our chemistry, to really mold together as a unit. Mm. Um, it was fun to watch. Uh, you know, as a, coach, I, it, as a coach, I appreciate <laughs> it, but I think they understand had they done that a little bit earlier, there would have been more mm. wins. There would have been more opportunity. They would have been maybe a little bit more prepared for the conference tournament run. So I think that's why they came up with it. So, you know, as a coach, you're like, okay, sometimes you have to let them own whatever it yeah. is they want to do. I mean, I, as much as we want to lead them, they also have to take ownership in what kind of type of team they want to become. And I mean, that's usually a few leaders that have strong voices. Yeah. The lesson in accountability can be yeah. no greater, right? And, Absolutely. And especially when you have so many players that are returning. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's clear identified leaders that are on the team. Yeah. And just kind of watching how last season played out. And uh, we, we were watching that semifinal game and I was blown away by the three-point game on both teams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, before we go too far, Louise, I do want to get your perspective on uh, moving, because you touched on it just a little bit, uh, but your exposure to uh, coaching in college and then making that decision to make that that transition from coaching in high school into the collegiate realm. Yeah, I just think that some of it's just the way I'm made. You know, I, I like to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. I like to see what my potential is. And I had won a state championship at my first high school. I jumped to a larger high school in Arkansas and was there for one year. And again, my experiences of working camps and just networking Mm -hmm. with college coaches. And most of it was, I was curious, you know, Mm -hmm. I I wanted to know what, what did you do to be successful? Picked a lot of, you know, brains of, of college coaches when I would stumble upon them either at camps or all-star clinics, all kinds of different things. And I ran across 
a lady named Sanja Hogue, who I had admired from afar. She was the orchestrator, so to say, of Louisiana Tech women's mm-hmm. basketball, mm-hmm. which was a traditional power uh, in the 80s. And I ran across her. She spoke at an all-star game that I was coaching in. Okay. And she was the head speaker. And this is how life works, really, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, it, it's crazy how you meet somebody that you've admired so much. And just the fact that I stepped up and and introduced myself and said, hey, like, I, do you think there's any way you would come speak to my team one day? And lo, this was in the summer before the year that we won the state championship. Mm. And lo and behold, I called her in the middle of the year, the year that the year that I had that really good group. And I said, hey, you know, OK, I, you told me you'd come speak. <laughs> so I'm asking you, I've got a really good team and I would love for you to come speak. Cashing to in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And she was like, sure. She was retired. Wow. And she came over and we struck up a friendship. And fast forward another year, we ended up winning the state championship that year. I go to Fort Smith, coach one year at Fort Smith Northside. And she calls me and says, hey, I got the Baylor job. They have called me to resurrect Baylor women's basketball. Wow. And I said, okay. Um, She said, I can't, you know, I I don't have a full-time assistance job, but they called it a restricted earnings job at the time. She said, if you would like... I'll bring you aboard if you want to come help me. Mm. And so I'm like, I mean, okay, let me see. So it was a whopping $12,000. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. To jump. Yeah. And because it was, that was the real term, restricted earnings. Exactly, yeah. So what that is is equivalent to a GA position. For those of us that can relate now, it is a GA position. So $12,000, live in the dorm. Basically, I called it driving Miss Sanja. Wow. Because basically it was just whatever she needed me to do, I did. If I needed to go get her cleaning, if I needed to sweep the floors, it didn't. It, if I needed to fold envelopes for recruiting, it did not matter what it was. It was basically just an experience for me. That's incredible. So, so I you're literally coming from like my a successful team, and then yeah. su- successful high school career, yeah. and then you know, and, and I mean that's that's huge. Did, it was. I mean, it was it was a leap of faith to yeah. be honest with you because. You know, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't for the money. I just, sure. I, mean, I was hungry. You know, I wanted to learn another way of doing something. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, I was curious about what the college game was about. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'd had some experiences of people recruiting my players. So I wanted to see the other side of this, mm-hmm. you know. And so I agreed to do it. Uh, I was there two years for her and just did whatever she told me to do. Mm-hmm. And two years later, North Texas hired me as an assistant. Great, great experience. I mean, obviously, the rest is history at Baylor. Kim Mulkey comes in right. after Sanja really regenerates the program. But she did it just to basically, I think, fuel her fire one more time. You know, sure. I mean, she's a Hall of Fame coach. Right. And she just, I think, wanted to help get it jump started. Uh, a few years later, they hired Kim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the rest is history. It as works. Far as that, yeah, absolutely. But it was just, it was a jump start for me. And, you know, I didn't really know at the time, you back to your recruiting question, like I had been a head coach my whole career. Right. It's high school. And so this is a jump to college, but still, like I had been the boss. Mm-hmm. So then I go to the absolute, I'm talking low man on the, the total. Bottom. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. bottom <laughs> of the barrel. I mean, I loved it. I loved every second of it. Wow. I just, I, I loved the game. I love learning. Mm. I just think you can never stop learning. Sure. You know, and if you are done with that, then you probably should get out of what you're doing mm-hmm. and call it a day. But I just love learning. I love I, it was a challenge to me. Um, I didn't know if I could make the next step. 
more than anything, because I didn't know if I could recruit. And I knew I understood very quickly mm. when I took that job that recruiting was what an assistant did. Mm. I understood that very clearly. Like yeah. that was what your job is to recruit, period. Mm-hmm. That's when you wake up every day, you better be recruiting. You better be recruiting as you fall asleep at night. Like that's an assistant's job. Wow. And I just didn't know. You know, I thought, I don't know if I can do this, mm-hmm. you know. But it that was the one thing that I really was pretty good at that that I didn't, I didn't have any idea. You mm. just don't know. I tell young people this all the time. You don't know until you do it. Like there's no sense in trying to judge yourself on something that you've never tried before. Mm-hmm. So try it. See if you like it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's really what I did with college coaching. I mean, I, I understood that my job was to recruit and I got hired at North Texas and the rest is kind of history with that. I yeah. mean, I, I made a name for myself as far as being an assistant coach based on my recruiting right. and based on my work. I mean, I, I just have an innate ability to not let people outwork me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to, I want to be the best I can be at what my job is. Right. And I think that helped me as a recruiter because it's nothing more than work. It's building relationships. You have, it takes a lot of work mm-hmm. and a lot of time to build relationships with families and young people. And I felt like I did a pretty good job at that at the places that I was at. Well, the recruiting side of things, I mean, I kind of get the sense that you were kind of maybe a little self-conscious on your ability to do that before actually jumping in, taking the leap and becoming an assistant coach and building that skill set. At what point did you say, you know, maybe I do have this ability? And uh, because I feel like a lot of people almost keep themselves from progressing further, whether it's in their careers or, or any, any, really anything, um, because they are maybe afraid to expose that weakness mm-hmm. rather than just attacking it head on. Uh, at what point did you say, you know, I, I think I got this or mm-hmm. what was that process like of being like, I don't know. And then like really seeing the, the fruits of your labor and your ability to do it. Well, I think you always have to have people around you that encourage you. I mean, that was what Sanja was for me. I mean, she saw me as a as a head high school coach and saw something in me. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's what coaching is to me. That's what mentorship is. And I say this to my players all the time. When they're struggling on my team, mm-hmm. I always say, you wouldn't be here if I didn't see something really special in you. I saw it in you. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get it out of you. It may not be today, but we're going to get it out of you. Mm. And I think that, you know, I knew that she saw something special in me. You know, it's kind of like everywhere you go, you have someone like that in sports. I think that's what you can do for young people Right? is just let them know, like you see something in them that they don't necessarily see in themselves. So I think it was the encouragement from her. She was like, you're ready. Uh, when the North Texas job opened up, it was, it was kind of a no brainer for me because the people that were around me at Baylor, uh, Larry Tidwell has been a longtime assistant coach and he's been a head coach before he was uh, the assistant coach there that was doing all the recruiting. And, you know, he just kind of taught me the ropes. This is what you have to do to be good at what our jobs are. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a curiosity thing for me. Like, can I do this? It was a challenge. I mean, I always wanted to to see if I could do something that maybe people thought you couldn't do. But again, it's there's not a science to it. Mm-hmm. So I think you just have to try it. And it's that way in a lot of professions. Right. I mean, I, I think that's the key to it is that you're not afraid to get out of your comfort. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been somewhat of a gift for me from God, I guess. You know, I mean, it, it, I never have been afraid to be uncomfortable. Right. You know, I'll go move across the country and take a head job where I don't know anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I did when I went to Charlotte. I right. moved out of my comfort in Arkansas. I mean, I was raised there. 
my mom and I were, I mean, incredibly close. Mm. And, you know, I just picked up and said, okay, I'm going to go to Waco. Mm. I'm going to try something. So I th- I've never been really, um, that's not been something that's kept me from doing something else in life. You know, I mean, I've never been one of those that's been afraid to take a leap. Mm. There's a lot there to unpack, right? So, you know, life lessons of of taking the leap when an opportunity is there, regardless of what that means to what your title is or, or anything else. And, and putting yourself out of your comfort zone is huge, right? And and again, I feel like that, that's where a lot of people struggle to is, is most people know what their weaknesses are, know what mm-hmm. they know, what makes them uncomfortable. It's going out and putting themselves in those situations and even working with students one on one. Networking is a big topic of conversations Absolutely. for students. Right. Yeah. And the how do I network? Right. And it really boils down to that. Right. Uh, one thing I like to do is I show them a picture of a, of a mixture with a bunch of people already in their own little mm-hmm. huddles, having the conversation and having them reflect. How does that picture make you feel? If you're walking into that room, how would you do? If anybody's like me, I'm going to go. I don't like being here. Yeah, <laughs> I would much sure. rather be at home. For sure. In your- yeah, I mean, I tell the players all the time. It, it, it even goes back to you're in class. Mm-hmm. And student athletes, um, they're in a bubble mm-hmm. a little bit. One of the best things they can do to grow as a person and as a student is to get to know someone in their class that is not an athlete. Mm. I tell them that all the time. I mean, you would be amazed at what you would learn just by getting to know someone that is outside of your circle. Mm-hmm. And they're so uncomfortable doing that because they've been in their own little athletic world. I see. And it's so important for them. I mean, I tell them all the time, join a club. Right. You know, get whatever your major is, join that club and that major and really get to know people Mm. that are in the same realm you're in. You know, I mean, they might be in the same major. They might, I mean, you never know, Mm -hmm. you know, what type of impact they can make on your lives or you can make on theirs. Right. If we all would would look at it as that we're all one. Mm -hmm. But our athletes have to do that too. Like they have to interject themselves in the the community of the student body. And the student body has to understand how important they are to us. Mm. And athletics is just an avenue of promoting our university. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd be amazed at how many people, just because of the growth of our football program, know who UTSA is. It's huge. And on the other side of that, I'm recruiting, telling my student athletes all the time, when I recruit, I tell them about the engineering school. I tell them about the cybersecurity school. I mean, we are one. Yeah. This vote is so critical to the growth of our university. And I think we're not, you know, I'm not sure we're looking at it like that, but I think it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and you're hundred percent correct too. I mean, I, I feel like we're in such an interesting time in connecting athletics at UTSA have, have always been kind of just something that's kind of there. Right. And yeah. up until we see this national broadcast of UTSA, it's, it's amazing to be able to even see the UTSA commercials that come up on national television and, and sure. shining light on the other aspects of the university. Absolutely. Right. And the more we can interject the student athletes into just the university as a whole. And, and, you know, I know more and more these days, the, the alumni network is, trying to do more with the student athletes and bringing them in, Mm -hmm. getting them introduced to other groups. And and the more that we can do that. So if you're uh, listening to this and uh, you're an alumni that is wondering what you can do, get in contact with the alumni association and getting you plugged in because we're we're trying to do more work on on getting the student athletes connected with industry and and especially in the different scopes of study and what they're doing. But, you know, I think with recruiting with, with females in particular, and I mean, I, I only say this because I'm coaching females. Okay. This is not necessarily (laughs) Not the, I mean, I'm sure it's not true, but there is life after basketball. Yeah. 
very quickly for most females. Sure. You know, the the pro league is not big enough right now for very many to have a chance to play. And and the real question for them is what is next? Mm -hmm. And what is next for them is critical. You know, what you're talking about as far as the alumni base and Mm -hmm. the, and the relationship between athletics and, and the alums and, how do you connect all of those dots so that when we're selling UTSA to a recruit, one of the biggest things I have to sell is what's next for you. Right. You know, what type of degree are you going to get? What, what Here's the degree plan. These are the degrees that are available here at UTSA, which is phenomenal, by mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. The opportunities academically here are phenomenal. And I don't think we've connected all of that yet where even the student athletes understand, you know, what what can you build mm-hmm. you know what what relationship can you build right. with some of the alums that can help you down the line once basketball is over and you're trying to get a job mm-hmm. you know and i think that we're so in the infant stages exactly. as far as our relationship with the alums and it's a critical piece it is a critical piece as far as what we're trying to accomplish um my biggest thing is they have to get a degree mm-hmm. and Again, we're back to that what's next, that very first question you asked me, right. which is what happens next? Right. What did you do next? And so for so many of them, they don't have an answer because they don't have a lot of relationships with people in the community. And we're trying to do mm. a lot of that, build relationships where they can meet CEOs of businesses and connect with internships and all of that because they have to be thinking about what's next. Right. You know, and that's tough for a young person sometimes, but I think that is very, very critical. And where I think we are is that it's kind of like when I made that decision to leave high school coaching and go to college. And I I think a lot of young people don't understand that this is a step that sometimes has to be taken. And I think that's kind of where we are as a university. I mean, maybe it looks like a step back to have a fee increase. Mm-hmm. Maybe it but you have to sometimes take a step back to move forward. And so the perfect example was me taking a 17, 18, almost $20,000 pay cut mm-hmm. to go take that leap of faith, to go take that job at Baylor, which has turned into, you know, it was a huge gamble right. on my part because I don't know what I would have done next had that not worked out. But I think sometimes you have to do that. Well, I, I think we can almost even say that about you coming into UTSA, because I'll be honest with you. I mean, with the success that you've had at the collegiate level and having the exposure to true NCAA basketball success. Mm-hmm. When Dr. Campos had announced that you were coming on, and we're all going, "Wow! <laughs> like, how did this come to into fruition?" Yeah, you know. So I feel like you know, did you see UTSA as like this golden opportunity of like, you know, here's a program. The athletic director gets it. The athletics program is building. Um, what was like when you were approached to come into UTSA? What was that process like? Two things. Okay, it's always word of mouth. In this profession, word of mouth, it's huge. Mm -hmm. So the first thing was one of my most favorite bosses I've ever had was my, she hired me as my first head job at Charlotte. Her name is Judy Rose, and she's a longtime AD. She's retired now. And um, she is just salt of the earth Mm -hmm. person. She knew that I was looking to get back in it. um, And she called me and said, look, I this young AD knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. She has a great vision. Uh, just hear her out. And I, I was looking at some other jobs. And once I got on the phone with Lisa, you just sometimes figure out, like, this is your calling. Right. This is what you need to do. And I feel like you've back, had that happen to you It's back times. to being uncomfortable. <laughs> it's back to being uncomfortable. This, is, this wasn't the most comfortable situation sure. for me from a sense of, 
okay, like we got a lot to do, right? You know, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of who I am. Mm-hmm. But I will say that Dr. Compost has a great vision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she needs a lot of people mm-hmm. to step up to the plate. Her coaches, number one, uh, have to step up to the plate and and make the programs that they're coaching better. And I think you know the other piece to me making the decision to come here was Jeff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just thought that Jeff Trailer's vision for not only his own football team, but his understanding of the athletic program and his commitment to what Lisa was building mm-hmm. was so critical. And and then you have President Amy. I mean, it was just the, the, the conversations that I had with President Amy, Dr. Campos, and Jeff Trailer. I was sold immediately. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with where we are. I mean, we aren't where we need to be. Right. Our facilities desperately need to be upgraded. We desperately need a practice facility for basketball to be relevant mm-hmm. at the level that we can be. But their vision, it's back to what I think is so critical about team building. Can you get people together that can believe in the vision? Right. And that's when you're going to see special things start to happen. And I think President Amy and Dr. Compost has have a great vision mm-hmm. for UTSA. And I think it's just a matter of people wanting to roll their sleeves up, get to work, maybe for not what they want to make from a salary perspective. I mean, I have players that are rolling their sleeves up. They're doing the best they can. And with the understanding that we still have a long way to go. Right. And they bought into building this program, knowing that they may never see the benefits mm. of, you know, it may come down the road as far yeah. as the facilities and all of that. But they they bought it, you know, as far as they want to make a change. I mean, these guys that are sophomores right now in my program, they were freshmen last year. There were five of them and they all we're like, you know what, we we know you saw something in us and we want to help you build this program. And it's been fun to coach them because I think they know they don't that we don't have it all. Mm-hmm. They do. I mean, it's clear. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it was it was really easy as far as listening to Dr. Compost. I mean, I think she really gets it. I mean, yeah. I think she's a student driven boss. Mm-hmm. She is a student driven boss. She, I mean, I, I don't even add athlete in there. Right. Because she's really about the students. But when you talk about what's ahead as far, I mean, unless something changes with NIL, I mean, it's just there's so much that's got to be done with alums, community, our alumni base is so critical to us. Well, it's it's fascinating, too, because, I mean, again, it's it's a whole other hour conversation on NIL and and everything. That's that's another day. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It really is. The build out of the program, the facilities, you know, again, talking about UTSA as while basketball has been part of the university for quite a while, the trajectory of which UTSA athletics is on right now is still still in its infancy, right? Sure. And seeing the efforts that are being put towards the development and the building of, of these new facilities, starting with the race facility, but moving on to Park West and everything else that's occurring, um, it's just a matter of time. But when you look back at the even the start of the football program where they had uh, basically portable buildings, that is where it started. You know, we had... Um, Eric Sosa, the first quarterback for UTSA, that's where he met Coach Coker for the first time. And right. they, they practiced for a year before they even played a game. And this kind of like the, the grit that UTSA athletes bring to the table and seeing far ahead and, and having a leader like Dr. Campos to be able to do a good job of elaborating on what that future looks like. And while your athletes uh, or even coaches that are here may not be the benefactors of that development, um, it's the work that's being put in now. But I know we're running short on time, but I, I did want to tell 
recap real quickly on the shift in conference, mm-hmm. going from Conference USA over to the American Athletic Conference. Last year was, uh, like you said, it was, it's kind of a late blossoming season, mm-hmm. uh, but ended extremely strong. It was so exciting to watch the team play. You know, what do you see in the team this year as you guys move into the American? Well, it's definitely a tougher conference in some perspectives, but I also think that there's some similarities in that there's a kind of a what I guess everybody thinks is a lead dog in the league. Mm -hmm. Uh, South Florida has been good for quite some time. And I think some of the other programs, Tulane's been good for a really long time. I think the fun part about going into this league is that it is a multiple bid league in women's basketball Mm -hmm. and has been ever since the league occurred. Mm -hmm. So the name of the game is going to the NCAA tournament. Sure. I mean, that's, that's what we're all here. I'm sure you'd like to go back. Absolutely. <laughs> and, but you know, I want I want them to experience it. Right. You know, like it's, I've, I've been there and done it. It's a great feeling, but it, it's a reward mm-hmm. for a lot of hard work and everybody doesn't get to go. So you feel special. You get on a bus, you get a, you know, you get a police escort. I mean, there's some, you know, it's, there's things that just go with it. Right. You know, this league is a multiple bid league, so I think that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to win the conference tournament every year like you did in Conference USA, or you probably weren't going to get in. Right. You do have to have a good year. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I, I'm excited about the challenge of playing in this league. Uh, you know, we bring from Conference USA, we're bringing some good right. teams in. I mean, Rice should be really, really good this year. But I, I think that our team has a chance to be really competitive because we have a little more depth than we had last year. Now um, we have one of our best players, uh, Jordan Jenkins is, is recovering right, right. now from um, an off season surgery. So not sure you know, of, of her timeline. Yeah, yeah. I don't know her timeline right now, which I mean, that's going to be a factor right, for sure. us for sure. But I, it, we just have more depth in every position. So I think we've added some talented freshmen the freshman from last year, a year older, the leadership is there from, you know, Kara White has been such a, a strong voice for us since she transferred in mm-hmm. um, last year. And Jordan's been a strong voice. So Alyssa Coleman is now in her third year. So I think we have some players that have sort of been there and done it right? and are going to understand. They understand the grind of the season. They understand what conference play is all about. So I think we finally are at a place where they can have these conversations among each other instead of it's always going to come from the coaches as far as what this is going to feel like, what's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about, about having so many players return. Right. We're still young, though. Yeah. Uh, we still have nine freshmen and sophomores. Wow. Because of all of them coming back, I just didn't – I again, this is a, a long-haul type situation. I mean, the transfers have helped us. They elevated our program immensely. Mm. But the future of the program is really the sophomore and freshman class because, right. you know, that's nine of them. Yeah. And if they'll stick around through this process and we continue to add better players, we just, you know, we've added, I mean, I can't disclose what the names are, but we have two commitments from two San Antonio kids in our next class, which will mean we have, what, five or six, which is another thing that really attracted me to this this, um, job Mm -hmm. was just I knew how good Texas high school basketball is. I mean, Mm -hmm. the recruiting ground is fertile here and (laughs) San Antonio is great basketball. There's a great club system here in San Antonio finest and, and some other clubs. And so I, I felt like we could build the same model that Jeff has built. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously NIL is, you know, it's, that's another story. And we have to do some work with that bill to keep kids here. Mm -hmm. But I do think that we can build this program with San Antonio players. And again, when we line up next year and play, we'll add two more. 
and we'll be, I think we'll have six. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a lot, considering it, we did not have that going on at all right. prior to us arriving. So I think that's been a huge, huge part of our building process. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Well, we're excited about the season coming up because it, you're talking about a season where you're having the team taking accountability for the outcome hey, of the season. And we're going to try to cash right? in. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. And you have so many young players that are really getting exposed to that concept of buying in the Absolutely. way that they are, right? And the philosophy of, of having those older players come in and, and mentor those younger players, it's, it's only going to strengthen the ability of the team moving forward. And we're excited about the first season with the American. Uh, wish you guys nothing but the best. Uh, season starts here uh, very shortly. So we're going to be make sure that we post all the schedule and everything in the show notes. So make sure you check that. Uh, ability to buy tickets to the home games. That way you can go out there and support those roadrunners. But Coach Aston, thank you so much. We really appreciate the time well, today. Thank you all. I appreciate it very much. Birds up. Birds up. Birds up. So there you have a Runner Nation, the interview with Coach Karen Aston from UTSA Women's Basketball. And I got to say, I'm so excited for the season that's about to kick off here and really in the next few weeks. And all of the uh, the scheduling ticket information is going to be listed in the show notes. Uh, so if you are inspired to go ahead and buy your season tickets, I would say go ahead and follow those links and do that now. Yeah, this will be a really great season to, to get on board and, and support those uh, lady roadrunners. Well, it's, it's really great to see uh, at least the strategy in which of getting her team unified and the fact that the team was ready to take accountability for the season for hashtag cash in. And, and it's a great storyline from what occurred from last season. I would imagine some of the players that were there last season are more than fired up to get to this American Athletic Conference play, but also the opportunity that the American Athletic Conference brings to yeah. this women's basketball team is incredible. Yeah, and, and especially with this young core that she was talking about that is going to develop these next few seasons, uh, it's going to be really, really exciting to watch them grow and and see what we can do in the American and, you know, hopefully make it to the tournament and, you know, who knows, maybe a Final Four. Absolutely. Well, Coach Aston has been there before. I mean, she's also earned a Big 12 Coach of the Year in 2017. She's one of four finalists for the Naismith Women's College Coach of the Year Award in 2017 also. Uh, but, she, you know, she's somebody that's been to the dance, has seen it, has experienced it, and she won wants nothing more than to have her UTSA Roadrunners experience that as well. But Coach Aston, thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate it. Again, all the uh, scheduling, ticketing information is listed in the show notes. So make sure you buy your season tickets and, and catch a few of those home games that are coming up uh, here in the next few weeks. And uh, we wish you the best of luck as you guys enter into the American Athletic Conference. So we do have some, a couple of other things that are happening. Obviously, we have the homecoming game that's coming up, the Forever Rowdy tailgate that's happening at the Hopkins lot. Uh, this Saturday, the tailgate opening at 11.30 a.m., so three hours before kickoff. Obviously, the tailgating uh, Lot C and everywhere else uh, starts six hours before. Oh, yeah. It, it's going to be crazy this week, <laughs> and I can tell you, man, and and I'm going to have a lot of fun out there. I know that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 an exciting time. Homecoming is, is always a great opportunity. We're coming off two big wins, and, you know, we, we continue our American Athletic Conference run. But then on November 3rd, I do want to point this out, that we have our ring celebration that's coming up in the board meeting, but they were discussing some of the plans that they have. This approach to the ring celebration is going to be much more family oriented to where they're opening up the invitations to have students basically bring as many family members as they would like. And their rings are actually going to be presented by their family members to them. Oh, that's awesome. Right. So they, it, it is, it's, a, it's going to be an incredible event. So November 3rd. So make sure you check that out. More information is going to be coming out on that event coming up. And then I want to point out too, we have a UNT coming up next 
next Saturday. It looks like that they are just now announcing the channel and the timing. But outside of all that, the UTSA Alumni Association is going to have their Forever Rowdy tailgate in Denton, Texas. So if you are planning to be at the game in Denton or if you live in that area and you're an alumni and you plan on going to the game anyway, check out the Alumni Association. I will have uh, separate links for that in the show notes as well that we, the uh, Alumni Association Forever Rowdy Tailgate is going to be live and in person in Denton. So make sure you get connected with those alumni. And that's another team that, you know, is always fun to play in those games. You know, heartbreaking in the past, you know, but hey, we we got them this year and and not a a long drive too compared to some of the other games now that we're in the bigger conference. This one's definitely a lot easier to get to and help support the Roadrunners out there. Yeah, I can tell you, well, you know, if, if our momentum continues from what happened in Florida this last weekend, I'm feeling pretty good about it. But make sure you check out your Roadrunners there in Denton or if you are going to be staying here in San Antonio, the official watch party place to be is the Alamo Beer Company, which is the sponsor for the away game watch parties. So as times and details come out on that, make sure you follow all the social medias for the Alumni Association as uh, you'll be able to get the updates of that on real time. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for downloading. If there's anything you can do to help us, make sure you leave us that five-star rating review and make sure you subscribe as it helps us more than you know. We come out with new episodes every other Friday at 6 a.m. and we'll catch you on the next one. Birds up. Birds up. Birds up.